0: Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the DraftSite podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full-round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening and welcome to the podcast here at DraftSite.com. I am DJ Boyer. I'm all alone and by my lonesome this evening, it will be a shorter podcast, but we wanted to Get one started because there's a lot of information to pass on to you guys. First off, starting with last night's national championship, one for the ages. And we heard them talk at length on a few occasions about the, I believe it was the 10-year anniversary of the epic Vince Young versus Reggie Bush, Texas over USC in the epic comeback. Might be the only national championship I can think of that actually was kind of on the same plane. What an amazing game. Big plays all around. And even though we had a score of 45-40 to 40 with Alabama, and Nick Saban getting his fourth national title in seven years at the University of Alabama, fifth as a head coach. You know, there were defensive plays to be had. Uh, aside from a, a couple of big runs early from Derrick Henry, the, the Clemson defense did a pretty good job bottling him up in the second half. Uh, I think they correctly forced Jake Coker to really kind of throw that ball downfield and beat them with his arm. He was able to do so. And with O.J. Howard, the tight end, uh, having five catches, over 200 yards, I believe he probably is going to throw his name into the ring and make himself NFL draft eligible. He's a guy that we have ranked as the number two tight end in the draft class. And i would actually received a couple of emails saying why we had him so high. He's not used as much. He doesn't put up numbers. You saw exactly why last night. This is a guy that is <clears throat> just a freak with his athletic ability, and and we saw what Alabama was able to do with him, um, the fact that he, he doesn't run like a normal tight end. We we definitely saw that on display last night. Without his playmaking playmaking abilities, getting behind the defense, and having Alabama take advantage of some obvious mismatches, I don't think Alabama wins that game. So he may come out of last night's game as the big winner. If he does indeed declare for the NFL draft, then I would assume that in the next day or two we will actually hear that his name will be called, probably along with the rest of that defensive line, which is so stout, uh, especially Jaron Reed, Ashawn Robinson. You've got Reggie Wranglin behind him and, you know, Reuben Foster – once he becomes draft eligible, I mean, you're just talking four or five guys there in the front seven for Alabama that could be first rounders, if not first rounders, definite first or second rounders, and obviously will be able to walk into any NFL team that actually drafts them and make themselves relevant on the field in a very short amount of time. And again, just being able to make plays, whether it be on a full-time or part-time basis, depending on who takes them. Uh, Some other things we just wanted to touch on. Vontez Burfect and the the meltdown of the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, all I can say is, is there anyone you feel worse for right now than Marvin Lewis? This is a guy who, I I think if you've heard uh, a few podcasts, you know that I've not been shy in saying that I'm surprised that Marvin Lewis is still around. Obviously, he's still a very good coach. Zach and I have had some differing opinions on that. Sometimes I think he wants to – he voices his hold on to coaches as long as you can, proven commodities. And to an extent, I believe that is that is true. We see too many examples, uh, Jim Tomasulo being one or a, a Cleveland coach only actually getting two years. You know, p- People are, are getting one to two years, and they're being shown the, the door quite uh, too frequently. But in instances like this where you've got uh, – I, I believe he's the second-longest tenured coach in the NFL now behind only uh, Bill Belichick and still not able to, to win a playoff game, and it looked like this was the game to do it. Uh, epic comeback on doing it with A.J. McCarran. Uh, You have a backup quarterback in there. The Bengals always seem to be injured or have have key injuries going into playoff time. But they had that game won. Jeremy Hill gets the ball stripped. And then the meltdown from Vontez Burfecht. And three games, I don't think it's enough. This guy has just shown a propensity to make dumb plays where he is just careless and let's face it, he doesn't give a damn about anyone out there. He doesn't give a damn about his teammates. certainly doesn't give a damn about the welfare of other, other players. Vontez Burfect is a, a selfish player, and that's the nicest thing I can say about him. About four years ago, when he was draft eligible, look through the archives. Look look at draft site. I had said Vontez Burfecht was first-round talent. This was a guy who... I had him pegged as being the number 15 to 20 prospect in his draft class. Definitely a first-round guy. I stated he is going to slip to the fourth or the fifth round because of his conduct. He can't be controlled, and he's a head case. He was kicked out of not one, not two, but three games. Three games he was tossed as a senior at Arizona State. That's just mind-boggling. It's just I don't know how many fines it's going to take, how many times the league office has to step in. Even teammates have pulled him aside, saying, "Look, you are just not in a good place." Yes, we've seen what he can do. He's he's a guy with a ton of raw talent. He can make tackle after tackle, not just downfield, but he can he can penetrate, get in the backfield, he can make sacks, the the, the hit on. Ben Roethlisberger is kind of what turned the tide in that game. Once they had to turn to Landry Jones, and things seemed to start going the Bengals' way, but just too careless. And, and it's just the relative ease at which he does these things, and doesn't seem to learn from them. There's instances in colleges, college where he just has went to the head far too many times. Who rips off an opposing coach's? communication device like a headphone set and throws it uh, douses it in water and, and gets it wet and destroys other teams property. It, this is just I don't know maybe, maybe the NFL needs to make psychological profiling some type of uh, standard because I'm sorry I, I think at least at least six, six to eight games I think would have been perfect. Um, all I can say is uh, He's a jackass. That's the nicest thing I can say about the guy. It's it's just gone on way too long. And for Coach Marvin Lewis, Adam Jones, and 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 some of them to say, look, there was no intent there. He he wasn't really trying to injure the player. You've got to be kidding. All you got to do is look at the play from the previous week and the hit that he put on Max Williams of the Ravens it had nothing to do with the play going on. The play was nowhere near him. Just levels a guy for no reason, just hits him in the head, decks him. You know, $50,000 fines just look like they're – I mean, the league office should just assign a person that is just the Vontez Perfect police and just see how much they're going to rack him up for uh, the, the coming week. He's garbage. He is human garbage, and this is the kind of stuff that needs to be policed in the NFL, and I, I really disagree – with what the announcers were saying, how you know they'd been warned about this. The officials were doing a pretty good control, a uh, pretty good job of keeping the game under control. And I totally disagree. Because had they really been doing their jobs on a play that was seen by everyone and right in front of official, we saw it on the replay. None of this would have ever happened. He would never have got the interception, ran into the players' tunnel, which was almost a, a gaff on it itself. What if the ref never blows that whistle? That would have been a Jim Marshall play all over again. But the kickoff that had preceded all of this when, when Pittsburgh got the ball back, we saw him in a fight with a special teams player. In a fight, I mean, he threw three punches. Three punches at a player right in front of a referee. And when we see that happen, the discretion is, in most cases, that guy's tossed. When you're throwing punches, you're out of the game. It's not a It's not a warning. Uh, you're immediately gone and referees failed to do so after he had shown two or three plays before or two or three plays before that, that, you know, he was definitely out to hurt someone. Had they done their job then the game would have been different. Uh, that interception doesn't happen. Uh, the ugly incident with, uh, Antonio Brown doesn't happen. So, uh, really changes the outcome of game. And, and again, it's just another instance of where NFL officials have failed us once again. But uh, an amazing week of football. We saw a lot of good games. Um, a wild card weekend where all four road teams win. That, that's a first that that's happened. Got to really feel bad for the Vikings. Uh, look like they really had uh, the Seahawks on the ropes there. Seattle's really, really got to be just thankful that they're even around right now. And playing a Carolina team, which, you know, they've had some time off, but I think Carolina's the better team, but they're definitely not unbeatable. There's not that air of superiority about them. And, yes, they beat Seattle, but it, it took kind of an epic comeback. They, they were trailing in the fourth quarter. So I think Carolina should be favored in that game, and rightfully so. But at the same time, Carolina Panther fans need to calm it down a little bit and act like they've been there before and realize that their team is definitely beatable. The uh, Same with, with Arizona. Arizona just, if they can get a replay of the, the absolute beatdown that they actually gave uh, the Packers about three, four weeks ago, that's uh, it, it should give them a lot of confidence. But at the same time, did Aaron Rodgers find something in the late first half and second half of that game against the Redskins? Like that offense has just not been clicking. Something's been off. Uh, protection's been a little spotty. The running game has never really been solid all season uh, for the Packers. The loss of Jordy Nelson I don't think has been brought up enough. Some other players like Devontae Adams have, have not stepped up and assumed the role that many thought they would. And It just – It's just not been clicking. The defense has played pretty well for the most part. But it's just not been the same Packer team. So we wonder if that was kind of a resurgence. Because after about the first six or seven games of this year, this Packer team has not been one that I think a lot of people would say, uh, look at and go, oh, yeah, they can win the NFC. They can definitely win the NFC. That's not been the case. Uh, We look in the AFC. Big question now is, you know, who's going to be healthy for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Are we going to get Ben Roethlisberger at all? If we do get Ben Roethlisberger, is this Ben at 50%? Is it 60 or 75%? Uh, we, we know he's not going to be at 100%. Uh, Antonio Brown, what's what's the issue there? I think it's too early to tell, uh, with and going through the concussion protocol, if he's going to be playing in this game and, and what type of impact he has. Uh, he's a guy that I think had the, the best year of any receiver in the NFL. I think he's the only non-quarterback who belonged in the discussion for NFL MVP. I think his year was that strong. So you lose a player like Antonio Brown, well, that's it's devastating. Uh, and doesn't even matter who your quarterback is, whether it's Ben, whether it's Terry Bradshaw or Mark Malone, it's not going to matter. You, you need a person like Antonio Brown in your lineup. Uh we look on the other side the Kansas City Chiefs they just keep winning. Uh this is 10 in a row now. They've done it. I, I wouldn't say quietly. People know they're winning. But it it's kind of like we've all been waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, they're good, but. Yeah, they're good, but. What just hasn't happened yet. It's just a good example of a team not turning the football over, cutting down on their penalties tremendously. Uh, the Chiefs have been among one of the least penalized teams on the NFL over this stretch. That's something I think that really goes unnoticed. Again, not turning the ball over and forcing, you know, their, their opponents into making fumbles, interceptions, and, ju- and just turnovers, just winning the turnover battle week in and week out. And just getting timely plays when they need it. Uh, it's a big blessing not having an ACL tear. Uh, from Jeremy Macklin as many in the organization or who had watched that game had feared. Apparently it's, it's come back that there is no, no tear. And, and again, how effective is Macklin going to be? Is he going to play in this game? What, what's going to happen here? Even when he's not making plays, just having that presence, having him on the field makes a big difference. He's able to stretch that, uh, that offense, opening things up for players like Travis Kelsey kind of underneath. And he's not a valuable player? Ask the Philadelphia Eagles. I think of all the departures and, you know, with LaShawn McCoy gone and the change as a quarterback, I think the person that uh, missed in that offense more than any this year was Jeremy Macklin. Absolutely. Jordan Matthews, good receiver. Is he a number one? Not really. Uh, they're starting to use the tight ends more, but, again, just that lack of consistent deep threat was not there, and I think that's what Jeremy Macklin gives you. So, it's good, again, even if he's not the one making the plays. He'd only had three catches for 27 yards before his exit against the Texans. So, very good. And and another thing to bring up real quickly before we kind of break on on the playoffs or, or last week's games, the Chiefs are also getting it done on special teams, winning all three phases. It's something... We've heard Alex Smith in his post-game interviews, week in and week out, talk about winning all three phases. That's something the Chiefs have been doing. And we saw it uh, opening kickoff, Niall Davis, 107 yards. I mean, the the Texans are, before their offense is ready to take the field, they're already down. So, again, just good, solid, fundamental football. And and the Chiefs, no joke right now. Uh, we did say how strong the playoff uh, playoffs were from a, uh, of a vantage point of wildcard teams that could come in and win on the road, and by gosh, four for four. Who would have saw that? But anyway, a couple more things. Uh, dealing with the NFL draft, this now does make picks 21 through 24 are now set in stone. The Washington Redskins will pick 21st in round one. Uh, Houston Texans will pick 22nd. They will alternate picks as far as who goes first and who goes second in rounds two, three, four, five, six, seven. Because, again, both in the playoff team bracket, uh, 21 through 32, and they had the same record. So Redskins will pick in front of Houston in round uh, one. Round two, that flip-flops. Round three goes back to Washington. Round four would be Houston, vice versa. Uh, We'll see that – again, that's how all the – it's handled round to round. And right now, uh, pick 23 in every round uh, will actually go to the Minnesota Vikings. And pick 24 will go to the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati had one more win in Minnesota. There will be no alternating there. They'll pick 23rd and 24th. And again, uh, 25 – uh, 25 through 28 will be settled this weekend with the four teams that get eliminated from playoff uh, contention. Right now, the way things stand, three of those teams have the same record. Um, we come up with alternating kind of picks with Pittsburgh, with Green Bay, and with Seattle, all finishing uh, 10 and 6, I believe. So uh, the way that they would stand right now, I believe that would be Seattle, then Pittsburgh, then, or I think it's Pittsburgh, Seattle, then. Uh, Green Bay, I have to check that, don't have that in front of me. But, again, that would uh, obviously change each and every round uh, as well. Uh, I do have a couple of emails that want to answer um, also. Uh, We have an email from Richard, Richard from Minnesota, uh, wanting to know, uh, we haven't heard more about uh, Robert uh, Nemdici and the Robert Nemdici situation. How far does his draft stock suffer? Is he still a first-round pick? And who are the teams that might avoid his character issues? Well, That's a good good question. Uh, when you think about uh, what happened there, again, for those unfamiliar, um, he's actually the number – I believe we have him as the number three prospect. I believe uh, the number one guy for for Jared most of the year coming into the season. He was the guy that had at the top of his board – while Zach and I were on the Joey Bosa train, a uh, train that I'm still riding. But this is a guy who was the number one prospect coming out of high school, um, actually, when he committed to old Miss. So this is a guy that's no stranger uh, to the limelight being a, a prospect who can get it done in all phases. Playing defensive tackle, around that 295-pound uh, mark, he can play some defensive end. You know, look, we saw him catching passes this year, lining up in the backfield in short yardage situations, scored two or three touchdowns. He's a guy that's very versatile, uh, can really change a football game, um, but was caught in a situation where he fell. We'll say he fell out of a a window at a hotel at about a – I think it was about a 20-foot drop or so. Didn't really injure himself, but uh, was charged in the incident because there was – synthetic marijuana that was found on his person and in his system. So, yes, that's going to raise some red flags. I think it's going to drop him a bit. Definitely not out of round one. This is a guy that has all the talent in the world and is is definitely a top five prospect. I think you see him start to get looked at maybe around the seven to ten range. I don't think this guy drops out of the top half. I think somewhere in the first 16 picks we hear his name called. Uh, I think a team like, if you really last long, some of those teams near the bottom of the first half, like in Oakland, uh, Detroit would just be absolutely perfect for for a player uh, of his skill set and caliber. Uh, Another team like uh, New Orleans, who's actually uh, picking number 12. I think that would be a good fit. They're looking for some... Little more answers and always seem to be looking for more of a consistent pass rush or penetrating force along the defensive line. I think that would be a, a good stop. Um, Chicago, obviously, they just need help everywhere on defense. Seems to have kind of a, what you would think of as a Chicago bear mentality. Tough player can actually play multiple positions, even do a little bit of offense. We've seen that with some, some bear players in the past. I think those are some good landing spots for him, uh, but I think that because of his past and, and what has happened recently, he's a guy that teams are going to, to call in for an year interview, maybe do a little more of a psychological profile, give some of those personality tests, what's, uh, what's going on there with the Wonderlic. Things like that I think are going to be looked at a little more closely uh, because of what we've seen. All right. Uh, Andy J out of Florida uh, wants to know, why have we not heard more about Cyrus Jones? Uh, and actually I do want to say that we just got this email today. So I don't know if this is a an Alabama fan or just that this had been brought up during the broadcast last night. Um, why have we not heard more about Cyrus Jones? Four, four returns for touchdown. This is a guy who seems to be a very good cornerback and adds returnability on a football field. This this seems to me like a player who should be talked about near the top of a draft board. Could he sneak into the first round? Um, legitimate question. I don't think that he's got the cover skills to be a first-round prospect, let's just say that. But you're talking about a guy who maybe was seen as fourth or fifth round. With that returnability, does he creep into round two? Does he creep into th- round three? Almost definitely, especially on a team like Alabama, who has gotten all kinds of Exposure. Uh, there's not a scout in on any of these teams who have not seen him play or have not seen Alabama film, and the fact that you know you're playing top-level competition. Not only are you playing in a good conference, but playing on a team like Alabama, you always know you're getting the best from the team you're playing. There, a lot. I guarantee at least half of the teams on that Alabama schedule every year. That's their Super Bowl you know, you're whether you're rolling into Tuscaloosa or they're coming into your house, that's the game that you've got circled on your calendar. So knowing that you're going up against, you know, top caliber competition and again, against teams that are giving maybe just a little extra, maybe throwing a few more wrinkles into their game plan. Maybe they wouldn't give everyone else, but because you're Alabama, because you've got that reputation, well they're gonna give it to you. So a player like Cyrus Jones, who oftentimes is going to be covering the top or at least the number two wide receiver on the opposite team, well, you better believe there's going to be a ton of tape. There's tons of examples out there, and that can work both ways. Uh, With all that opportunity, there's going to be more things to pick at, maybe more things for failure that could be brought up. But, uh, you know, we've seen players like Dre Fitzpatrick, Dean Milner. There's been some uh, corners that have been taken very, very highly, um, top corners off a of board out of Alabama, so it's not unheard of. I don't think this is going to push him into round one, but maybe the middle of round two? Is it too early to take him? I think it may be a little too early, but is it too early for teams to stop or start considering him? Absolutely not. And again, another good point. So, uh, yeah, keep the emails coming. That's a couple that we got this week that we wanted to uh, give a shout-out for. Um just real quickly, as far as what we see going into uh, the NFL and the the outcomes for these games, uh, what I can say is I think on the, the AFC it's still wide open. I cannot bet against the Chiefs right now. I just can't. Uh, the Chiefs just seem to have everything going for them. Uh, one's really got to wonder when does that kind of come to an end. But to me, this is setting up like an AFC. You're wondering if this is going to be a uh, a battle of uh, the AFC here. Even though the the, the Chiefs, you, you're going to have a daunting task in front of you, um, having to play the Patriots. And, you know, the, the, the Steelers, again, I'm just, just so unsure. There's just been so many injuries there and they really got to be counting their blessings just to be in this round despite, despite what happened. Again, if it's not for the brilliant play of Ryan Chazier, none of that goes down anyway, and the Steelers are actually you know, going home, and Cincinnati has that, that playoff victory that has eluded them since 1981. So I, to me, it's looking like Broncos Chiefs in the ESC. Uh NFC... Again, I'm I'm sticking with Arizona. They are my team, the the team I'm picking right now. And I don't know. I think to me the the closest game or the toughest game to call is really going to be Carolina and Seattle. What what do we do here? What are we going to see? I think this is the game that really comes down to the wire. Uh, I can make cases for both. But right now, I just think it comes down to experience. And it's not me dissing the Carolina Panthers team, great team. I can see them definitely I can see them beating Seattle, but something has to be said for experience, and I I think Seattle gets through there, and and you got to think does Arizona really root for Carolina even though they would have to obviously be on the road if they play the Carolina Panthers, but remember the beat down that the the Seahawks uh, handed the Cardinals at the end of the season, so you'd have to think that maybe Maybe they're starting to root for a Seattle. Um, uh, Seattle actually going down there again, even though they would have to go on the road. Maybe they think that's a better matchup, actually playing Carolina, than it would be Seattle right now. Again, even though Seattle's very lucky to have, to have survived that game against uh, the Vikings. Again, Ray Finkel called. Ray laces out, but. Uh, Arizona just seems to. Have, I think that's the team with momentum. I think they're the healthiest team, aside from the the Tyron Matthew injury. Of all the teams that are left in the playoffs, I, I think they're they're also the healthiest. That's the one thing you can't really decide or you have a real handle on. Um, you know, coming down the stretch, you don't you don't know what injuries are going to happen. You can't rest all your players. You can't baby them. You do have to have some. Experience, you got to have some game reps going on. You can't just sit everyone for five, six weeks. you got to make sure you're in the playoffs. And you can't just sit there and hide. So injuries just seem to be that intangible that you can't really always factor for. And Arizona, I think, has come out on the positive side of that right now. And we know that wasn't the case last year when we saw not only Carson Palmer go down, but Drew Stanton, who was doing a very good job in relief once Palmer had gone down. I'm going to call Seattle uh, and Arizona to extract revenge. Um, so right now, I've got this right now. It's an Arizona-Kansas City Super Bowl. I don't think that's one that the NFL would be enamored with. No real, real big names there. But we'll just have to see if my picks hold true and if that's something that I'll have to adjust for next week heading into the AFC and NFC Championship Games and seeing how uh, that's actually going to pan out, and if my picks are among the four that are left. So we're going to keep this a little shorter tonight. Again, keep those emails coming in. We've already adjusted the mock draft. All seven rounds have the correct order at this moment, and again, that will be adjusted after this weekend once we know the four teams that are out and actually slide into slots 25 through 28. So again, DJ Boyer for you, everyone here, and keep the emails coming. And uh, keep coming back to draftsite.com. Plenty of news to go over. We've uh, got uh, just over 100 days before the draft. It's right around the corner, guys. So have a great week, and we'll see you soon.